I'm, I'm beside myself and uh, enjoy for this place, this church. Um, let me just share with you a little bit about last week. If you'll, if you'll notice and you'll look around, we're not as crowded as we were last week. Um, that breaks my heart. Not for the numbers. What breaks my heart and what I'm going to pray for in a while are the people that just come to church a few times a year. Maybe Easter. And then they figure they've done their... That's all they got to do till Christmas, you know. And then they'll come back on Christmas. And uh, it just breaks my heart um, that we can't uh, relay to them um, the importance of, of loving our Savior. The song we just sang, Give Us Jesus, uh, to me, that's about, I guess when I, when I go to be with the Lord, uh, that's about, I guess, the only song I guess I need played uh, or sung, if there is such a thing. And I've already made orders to my wife for not to make any fuss over my death. We'll, we'll just uh, make it real private and, and get the next guy in here. And let's keep charging on unto the Lord. Um, but I, uh, if there's going to be a song played, which I don't even know if there is, I, why am I talking about my death? <laughs> <laughs> Mickey said, move it on, move it on. You know? um, <clears throat> well, the truth of the matter is... Um, <clears throat> that song, Give Me Jesus, is just, to me, so important. <clears throat> and it's what I long for, for the people that uh, come to church and, and don't understand the seriousness of it. I don't know if it's just me. I, I don't see myself as a pastor of a, of a church. I, I understand what I do. I, I don't diminish that at all. I think it's, uh, I think it's important. But as you're going to see today, I don't think it's of any more importance than any other of the the jobs or the gifts, gifts is a better word for it, of what we do here in the church. Uh, I don't see that any one of us is more important than the other, and I'll make that case to you this morning. And I believe Paul makes that case to us. Um, but I, I don't know what it is, but well, I just have a love for the Lord. I just, wanna, I just want people to come to Christ. And, and uh, it, it really does hurt my soul when uh, people uh, stop coming to church and uh, don't make it a priority in their lives. And I think you'll see that this message is all about that today. And so what I want to do is thank you for last week. Um, I get the numbers of how many people come. I don't normally look, don't normally care that much. But last week I just was curious because it was an interesting thing. From Friday to Saturday to Sunday last week, all of the crowds were fairly equal in number. Uh, we had an overflow in the first service on Sunday morning, and it was in the other room. And uh, uh, but but we never had so many that we had. To, I don't think had to turn anybody away, and yet it wasn't so uh, full that um, there wasn't a seat for anybody and everybody. And and so the numbers were we we had uh, in those three days uh, over uh, I think it was a thousand eighteen people came between kids and adults, and in our three services Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, for uh, the adults, there was over 680, which was uh, just a wonderful number for us. But as I say to you, and the number is not important, there are, uh, uh, the issue is, do we serve the Lord? The issue is, are we, are we honoring Him with how we do church? And we're going to close today uh, about what I think is the prototype for all churches, what a church ought to look like. It's quite simple, really. It was on the day of Pentecost that Peter uh, preached a message and 3,000 souls came to Christ. 
And therein started church. And they based it on four things. I'll show you in a moment. But let's first take a look at uh, uh, what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, before I read Scripture, is I'd like to pray for those people that, that come to church maybe just on Easter and then they figure, that's enough. I'll see you Christmas. And um, uh, my heart is broken for them, honestly. <clears throat> I, uh, I wonder, is there something that, that we've done or I've done that, that uh, won't allow them to come back or whatever it is? But I'd like to pray with you for those people that uh, just don't see the, the seriousness of knowing our Lord and, uh, and how important it is that we love Him with all of our hearts. This is, uh, this is the most important decision you and I make is coming to church and living for the Lord. Because while we breathe and take air on our own accord, we can serve Him. And uh, that's what Paul is trying to say. And so I want to thank you. Uh, the buzz of excitement in our church last week. I want to thank each and every one of you who either went into the overflow room to sit or parked in the other parking lots so that uh, people who were visiting us could have a, a better place to park. Whatever it is that you did, uh, I believe the, the Lord was 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 blessed by your serving. So would you pray with me just for a short, just a moment. Father, I want to pray for those that came to church last weekend but felt that they didn't need to come back for whatever reason. Not just this church, every church that opens its doors and proclaims the name of Jesus Christ. Father, uh, my heart aches for a person that doesn't see the seriousness of loving you right now. And so, Father, I pray for those that came and, and uh, decided not to go back, whatever reason. I pray you'll bless them somehow, Father, that you will just, you will make their hearts just wrestle with the whole idea of Christ. And that they would have to come to some sort of decision to come to know and to love him. So, Father, I pray your blessings upon us as a church body. But specifically, Father, for those people that um, chose not to return to church. I pray you'd watch over them, Father. Like those two men on the road to Emmaus who had lost hope because of, of your death, not realizing of the, the, the resurrection. And when you met them on the road to Emmaus and you explained the scriptures to them of yourself, Father, throughout Moses to the prophets, and how, Father, their hearts, once you explain the, the wonders of who you were in the Old Testament as well as now in the New, how their hearts burned within them. I pray that your heart, the hearts of the people that came and heard the message, Father, that their hearts would burn within them. And they, they would have to return to come back to hear more about who you are. I pray that in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. I want to read to you... <clears throat> what is a perfect tie-in for last week. Um, this, this particular tie-in is, is the whole idea of how we, we are to serve the Lord, the privilege that you and I have to serve the Lord. And Paul, again, is going to make mention of how those of us who are stronger in the faith are to care for those who are weaker. Now, I have a theory on that. I don't think that the same person is always the weaker and the same person is always the stronger. I think in some areas I might be stronger than you and in other areas you might be stronger than me. And I believe the Lord 
blends us together so that at the proper time we can encourage one another and lift each other up. I don't think any of us has, has the whole package. I think that, that we are needed. And so what Paul is saying, though, is for those who are weaker, and he's talking about those who are not, don't have the freedom to love the Lord as they ought. They're, they're tied down by some old religious standards or traditions that they're holding on to that's, uh, that's keeping away from this, this, this blessings of the freedom that they can have in Christ. And so would you please read with me in Romans, the uh, 15th chapter. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. Watch these words. They're, they're absolutely fantastic. Paul says in verse 1 of chapter 15 of Romans, Now, he says, We who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Rather, he says in verse 2, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, for his edification. He says, Even Christ did not please himself. But it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell upon me. Verse 4. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through the perseverance and the encouragement of Scripture, we might have hope. Now, verse 5. May the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think you can clearly see that Paul is saying that there is to be a, a oneness within the body of Christ. There is to be a unity. And he says we are to care for those who need our care at the time, those who are quote-unquote, weaker. And he says, we're not just to please our own selves. We're to reach out to them. That, in a nutshell, is what you did last week, in my opinion. As I watched our church function last week, that's what you do. And that's what we do when we have breakfast in between the services. If you come here just for the 11 o'clock service, and you're hungry right now, shame on you. You ought to come earlier. Get a bite to eat. The price is really, really perfect. It's free. And it's good. It is good. Potato pancakes today, oh my. Bacon, best bacon in town. Come and have breakfast with us if you would. And what happens in there, in that room, is incredible. I met a, a wonderful man and his daughter uh, today from from another place, Gary, wherever he is right now. Uh, there you are. I met Gary uh, from Saddleback. And, uh, well, it, it's so neat to meet him and to uh, meet his daughter. Uh, it, is it Amanda? Amanda. She told me she'd keep reminding me. Beautiful young lady. And, and it was so nice to meet them in the, in the fellowship of that room. And that's what goes on in there. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gathering together where we can meet with one another and just share whatever needs to be done. So I would encourage you to be a part of that. Now, have I, we read this scripture, didn't we? Have we prayed for that yet? No, that's what threw me off as I prayed for the people that didn't come. 
Let's pray for that. Father, would you open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things that comes from your law. Father, let us read Scripture, study it, make an understanding of what you're trying to say for us at this particular time. And Father, would you please move me aside. Let me not interfere with what you want to say to every single person here, myself included. Would you, Father, teach us? And I pray your blessings upon us, Father. Thank you for last week. It was, uh, it was quite a special time for us as a body of believers. And now bless us now as we study your word. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want to share with you something that, that is so apparent from the word of God. God has always been concerned about unity within the body of Christ. In the Old Testament, Psalms 133, verse 1, verse 1, King David made this statement. He said, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Let me say that again. David says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, put it this way. I was challenged a long, long time ago to remember these two verses. It is in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Jesus said to his disciples, and he says to all of us, he says, a new commandment I have for you. The new commandment is, he says, that you are to love one another. Even as I, Christ, have loved you, so you should have love for one another. He goes on to say in the next verse, by this, by the way you love one another, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Love and unity within the body of Christ is extremely important unto our Lord. The love that Jesus Christ wishes for you and me to display finds its common bond through faith. Faith. I learned a very important thing this, this week. I, I went to breakfast with a, with a brother that I happen to love dearly. He's here right now in the service. He taught me about something I'm going to try and pass along to you this morning. But faith is our common bond. Jesus has caused a real oneness to occur within each of our hearts through our salvation. And he's given us our salvation as Paul has been jamming it down our throats for the first eight chapters of this book of Romans. Faith, faith. You come to God by faith, not works. You come by faith. You can't earn your way to heaven. It is faith. And that common bond is how we all come to Christ. And so we've all come by the same vehicle. Let me explain to you why I believe faith is so important. It is because faith is, is something that all of us can experience, and yet none of us can say that we are better than the other person. That is not a part of our faith. No, we all come to Christ the same way, through faith. And we all minister unto the Lord through the same vehicle. That is faith. I've, I've said these verses over and over again that you ought to get familiar with them by now. And that is Ephesians 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. Ephesians 2 says, For by grace 
You and I have been saved through faith. And that, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. God has gifted us salvation through faith. He goes on to say in the ninth verse, it's not a result of works. In other words, we cannot earn our way to heaven. No, he says, it's the reason it's not by works is so that none of us should boast. We're all on equal footing here. Verse 10, extremely important. It says, we are God's workmanship. That means we are his poem. We have been, it says in verse 10, created in Christ Jesus for a purpose. That purpose is what we are talking about this morning. You and I have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which, now get this, which God has prepared for us beforehand so that we would just simply walk in it. Whatever it is that you and I are to do unto the Lord, God has already prepared it for us. All He asks of us is to walk through it. In other words, my preaching, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is no greater a gift or an ability than the other person doing whatever it is that God has given them to do. You know the reason? Because I'm not the one that's doing it. And neither are you. It is all God. All of us are just walking through what God has already prepared beforehand for us, just asking us to walk through it. Now, the one thing that I'll tell you that in a moment. Let me just share this. I want you to hold your place here in Romans 15. I want you to turn to the right. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's the next book over to the right. Just probably about 10 or 12 pages. You'll come to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You see, the gift that you have, that I have, has been given to us by God. It's not our doing. It's His. I'll show it to you. Watch. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are, by the way, I believe, like Dr. J. Vernon McGee, there are myriads of gifts within the body of Christ. He has gifted you in a fashion that He wants you to be used by Him. He'll tell you why in a moment. So there are a variety of gifts, same Spirit. Verse 5. There are a variety of ministries, same Lord. Verse 6, there are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. This, this variety of effects, here's how real it is to me at least. Effects in ministry. You know, there are, are, there, there are very few, but there were some Billy Grahams. There is uh, Billy Graham. There is uh, Luis Palau. I don't know if he's still having crusades. There's uh, Greg Laurie, a wonderful, wonderful man that seems to be taken off after Billy Graham. Uh, these men speak in, in big, huge venues, thousands upon thousands of people. A long time ago, when I was younger and before I was even pastoring a church, Luis Palau, I don't know, heard, asked me to come and speak at his at his. Uh, uh, crusade is in a football stadium. It was huge, folks. It was huge. So I'm nervous as all get out there in the first place. I'm watching all's going on, and and I'm to speak later on. And it's starting to get nighttime, and so 
All of these people you can see, and then when I get up to speak, someone puts a, a big spotlight on me, and I can't see a soul. And I've stumbled through what was normally, for me, an easy thing to do, and that was my testimony. Couldn't see anybody, couldn't see if they were reacting. I had a, the worst of times trying to do that. I made myself a vow. I'll never do that again. I'll never go speak at a crusade again. Why? That I don't want to be obedient to the Lord? No. It's not one of my effects. I do not, I don't believe I'm effectual in, a, in that type of setting. Just like there are some people that can speak to thousands of people, and others of you can speak to just a small group of people, and you feel comfortable doing that. There is a variety of ministries. There's a variety of gifts. There are a variety of effects. But there is the same God who works all things in all people. And so he says in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, To each one of us, all of us who have come to Christ, is given the manifestation of the Spirit. And for what reason? For the common good. The reason you and I have been gifted by God is for the common good of the body of Christ. We all have a part. We all have a ministry. We all have an effect. We all do something unto the Lord. Now watch. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 is really important. But one and the same Spirit works all of these things. I want you to note something. He distributes to each one individually just as He wills. We don't get to pick and choose what gift it is we have. As a matter of fact, as I mentioned in the first service, which brought Anthony to tell me in between the services, I'm just, I was just like you. In college, I, had to, we, I took a course. I took a, a course called speech. Let me tell you why I took it. I didn't want to go speak. I just heard through the grapevine that the teacher, if you just show up, will give you a C. I'm all in. I was, I was there. And so I signed up. I'll take speech. So I take the class. And we all have to speak, you know. We all have to say something. There was, I'll never forget, there was one sweet girl. I don't know what she looks like. I don't remember anything about her. She did her talk on how to brush your teeth. That's what she did. To this day, I remember it. To this day, I, I didn't know. I'm in college. I didn't know you were supposed to brush your tongue. She taught us that we were supposed to brush our tongue. Maybe you don't know. You ought to now. And you ought to brush, and you ought to brush the roof of your mouth. And you, you brush it. And I, I took that. I thought that was the best class I ever had. She, I, to this day, when I brush my teeth, in fact, I, Gary, I saw your daughter. And I, I met her, and I had toothpaste in my mouth because I was walking to the bathroom to brush my teeth, and I could hardly talk to her. I said, oh, 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 oh. Showed her I had toothpaste in my mouth. And I, when I brushed my teeth, I think of that girl who made that statement. And I had to speak, and, and I was scared to death. And you need to know that this is not what anybody Anybody who knew me would thought I would be doing one day. Not a soul. Not a soul would have thought that I would be pastoring a church or speaking to a group of people and having you still, still look at me and not want to, what the world am I doing here with this bum? No, this is because of God's kindness, period. Period. Now watch. He gives the gifts just as he wills. Look at verse 12. For even as the body is one, it yet has many members. That's you and me. All the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. 
For, verse 13, for by one spirit, we've been all baptized into one body, whether we are Jew or Greek, whether we are slave or free, we were all made to drink of the one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. There are all of us here have a purpose within the body of Christ. We are all to be used by him. If you don't think so, then read Paul's example in verses 15, 16, and 17. He said, say the foot. The foot should say, because I am not a hand. I'm in verse 15. Because the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. No, he said, it's not for this reason any the less a part of the body. Or if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. No, Paul says, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? You see, we all have a part. And for any of us to say, I can't do it, I'm not good enough. I'll give you a really wonderful theological word they give out that it's in seminaries. You hear it. Baloney. It's not. (laughs) I made that up. Um, That's not true. You are so needed. You are so desperately needed within the body of Christ for the common good so that we can help each other grow. And not all of us are going to be Billy Grahams, nor, nor does God want us all to be Billy Grahams. He wants all of us to have our part. And then verse 18 is indisputable. Listen, listen to it. It says in verse 18, But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. Folks, he has desired you to be in the body right where you are. He has desired to use you for the common good of the body. God has given you what he so desires he has given you that for the common good of the body of Christ. And then which, which led Paul to say in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore now, since you've come to Christ, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice unto the Lord, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do that. And so I say to you, without exaggeration, you've done it. Last week, Easter, I watched our church function as a body of believers reaching out to the people who came here and having a wonderful time doing it. And from the bottom of my heart, I say thank you, each of us that had a part. Now, I will say this about gifts. I will say this. If a person better prepares themselves over the other person, their gift in Christ might look better than the next person's only because of their preparation. For whatever reason it is, and I know exactly why, and I'll tell you exactly why, I am a self-starter. When I go home tonight, if I'm, if I'm feeling peppy enough, I will go into my office, I will start to study for next week's message. I will study for sure tomorrow. I will study Tuesday. I will study Wednesday. Good portion of the day Wednesday. We have men's breakfast. And, and Tuesdays, usually I try to prepare for the men's breakfast on Tuesday morning. And then I will study all day Thursday, and if need be, all day Friday. And if I have to study for the message on Saturday morning, I'm in big trouble. Because I should have it by then. But I will self-start. And I'll tell you where I learned that. Pure and simple. I learned it from my father. I was born in Highland Park, Michigan, a little suburb of Detroit. 
And we lived on the corner, and we had a long walkway on the side of our house and, a, and a, in the front of our house, and then our, our walkway up the front, and when it, up, up to the front of the house and the steps. And when it snowed, my dad would say, Son, here's the shovel. Make sure nobody slips and falls when they walk down our pathway. And I'd go out and shovel, and I'd shovel it. And I, it's a, it was a long sidewalk, long here and into our house, and I would shovel, and I'd get it all. And my dad would come out, and he'd say, Ah, oh, son. Come on, you can do better than that, can't you? And he would always tell me this. If he told me this one time, he told me a thousand times, whether it was shoveling the the front uh, um, sidewalk or whether it was playing sports or whether it was in school, my dad would look at me and say, if something is worth doing, Johnny, it's worth doing well. And I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. I don't believe any of us should serve the Lord with the haphazard and, and just kind of a, a ho-hum type of an attitude. We should come serving the Lord with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. Whatever it is that your gift is, you should give them your best. I'm reminded of a, a time uh, uh, when I worked in the ministry with the athletes in our community. I worked with the Dodgers and the Angels and the Rams and the Raiders and uh, actually the Lakers at that time too, but Anyways, I was working with these guys, and, and I, I got to know all of, the, all of the pastors in the area that were just phenomenal. Um, how many of you heard the name Chuck Swindoll? Yeah, you should. He's one of the great men of God. Chuck Smith. Yeah. Or John MacArthur. Or at that time, Dave Hawking. I knew those guys, and I'd, I'd invite them to come and speak, and, and they'd all come because... I'd, I'd take them right into the locker room, man. They got they sat on the bench at Dodger Stadium or Angel Stadium. If I was working with plumbers, I don't think they would have come, but I was working with these guys, and so they all came. And I, I was I told the guys I wanted to have a special Bible study. I had heard Chuck Swindoll give a message, and I asked Pastor Chuck. I said, Chuck, I said I want to get the guys to hear you give that message, please. And he said, Sure, I'd be happy to do it. So I invite the guys. I invite all the Rams. I invite them. But I was early in the ministry, and I, would, I didn't have a real solid foundation with the guys. And they didn't know Chuck Swindoll from anyone. And when Chuck got there, the only athlete that was there was Mike Fanning. Mike Fanning was a middle guard, went to Notre Dame, and was uh, just a great guy. He was the only guy that showed up. And I looked at Chuck Swindoll, and I said, Chuck, I want to ask your forgiveness. It's just me and Mike and a couple other people that helped me. And I said, Chuck, I said, um, if you want to go home, he says, what do you ask me for forgiveness for? I said, well, I, I expected to be about 20 guys here. He said, no. He says, the guys that are here, who God wants here. And he, this always makes me cry. He opened up his Bible, and he taught Mike and me for an hour. He was like sweating at the end of it. He was so teaching it. And I learned a lesson then and there that as Chuck taught me, it wasn't the audience that he was preaching to. You know he was preaching to? The same audience that I do week in and week out. He's preaching to his Lord. That's the only one he was talking to. He was saying what he had learned back unto his Lord. And he gave Mike and me the whole load. And it was marvelous. 
And I just felt so bad for the guys that didn't make it there, the guys that didn't come. I say, if you and I are going to serve the Lord, we ought to give him our best. We ought to. Okay. Let me go on and talk back in Romans chapter 15. Would you please? The next thing that our Lord wanted to do besides base everything that we have on faith, He wanted to bond us together as believers with the common goal, a common destiny of heaven. Paul is not teaching new stuff here. Paul is teaching us stuff that has been old news, just like when Jesus Christ walked those two guys on the road to Emmaus and taught them all about himself out of Moses and the prophets, the Old Testament. So Paul says about verse 4 of Romans 15, whatever was written in earlier times, that's the Old Testament, that was written for your and my instruction so that through the perseverance and the encouragement of Scripture, you and I might have hope. I absolutely adore verse 4. What was written before us was written for our instruction. And if you need to know, there is no other hope. I mean legitimate hope for you and me and this world in which we live. Nothing more than the written Word of God. The Word of God was written to you and me so that we would have hope. And so, in Romans 15, verses 1 to 3, Paul encourages us to live in unity within our lives and within the church. And to those of us who are more mature at the moment, we are called to help and strengthen those who may be weak. But note... It says in verse 1, we are not just to please our own selves. No, just as Paul taught in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, two verses that I've given at every wedding I've ever done, it says, do nothing from selfishness nor empty conceit, but with humility of mind, here's the key, let each of you regard one another as more important than you do your own self. Not merely looking out for your own personal interests, but looking out for, caring for the interests of one another. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. We're not just supposed to please ourselves. We're supposed to please one another. And our example, of course, is none other than verse 3, Jesus Christ. Even Christ did not please himself. But it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me, Jesus said. Jesus absorbed an unbelievable amount of insult, slander, vicious attacks, and yet none of those things were legitimate. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us he was without sin, Jesus is. Therefore, every time that our Lord was criticized or attacked, it was unjust, yet he absorbed all of this hostility against himself for our On our behalf, he died for us. He took all of that so that you and I would not have to die a second death. And he did that even while we were sinners. That's what Romans 5, 8 taught us. It says that God demonstrates his own love towards you and me. And while we were yet sinners, our Lord still died for us. So much he loves you and me. And so he was crucified, right? Our Lord was crucified for us. That's what we celebrated 
Good Friday, and then Easter morning, the resurrection of Christ. And Paul teaches this wonderful truth about crucifixion and faith, telling us in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, and you might want to turn there if you don't mind, and Galatians is to the right. If you go past 2 Corinthians, then 1 2 Corinthians, you'll find Galatians. And look at Galatians chapter uh, 2. One of the great verses in all of Scripture. Mark, you're going to like this. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. We too have been crucified with Christ. I want you to watch this. Paul says of himself and us. Watch. I, meaning we, we have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer you or me who live, but it is Christ who lives in us. Watch what he says. The life that you and I now live in the flesh, here on this earth. Listen now. We live in, by faith in the Son of God. Let me repeat that. The life that we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God, who loved us and gave himself up for us. What the Lord began in your life, in my life, by faith, He is going to complete by faith. You and I come to Christ by faith, and faith does not stop there. Faith continues on. Faith moves on throughout our life as believers. We live our lives now by faith. Day by day by day, moment by moment by moment, we live by faith. And what the Lord God began in your life and in my life by faith, he will complete by the same vehicle, faith. He says, Paul does, he writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says, I am confident of this very thing. What, Paul? What are you confident of? He says, the one who began a good work in you through faith will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul says the life that you and I now live in the flesh by faith we will complete it by faith. Faith upon faith upon faith is what the Bible teaches that we are to live by. And as a church, we are to live by this doctrine of faith. Faith by coming to Christ. Faith now living by Him. Trusting in Him in all that we do. In an Old Testament book, Zephaniah chapter 3. Don't expect you to look for it, find it, but... It took me a while. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 9 says, We are to serve the Lord shoulder to shoulder. Serve the Lord shoulder to shoulder. You know, that's why, in my opinion, what you folks did Easter weekend is so important. Because what we did Easter weekend, it showed all the people who came here to investigate, hopefully, about our Savior, Jesus Christ, it showed them through us what he looks like, what he is like. By our unity, our serving the Lord together. It says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we should have God in us. God may be all in all in us. You see, what they hopefully ultimately saw here were folks who belonged to the Lord and are united in a great and glorious fellowship with Him and also with one another. And so I say to you, words cannot say thank you enough for what you did last week here at this church. Our unity together in this place, the Rock Community Church, 
is the ultimate goal that God has for you and for me. And it is to be lived out by us daily through faith. The life that I live in the flesh, I now live by faith in the Son of God. Galatians 2.20 And look how serious our Lord is about this unity that we have. When Jesus spoke to the Father in John chapter 17, verse 11, He says, I am no longer in the world. In other words, He was going to go to the cross, He was going to die, and He was going to be with the Father in heaven. Yet He says, they, talking about the disciples that He left behind, and you and me, He says, we, they, are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them, He says, in your name, in the name which you have given me. Keep them. Why? He says, so that they may be one as we, Jesus Christ and the Father, are one. There's a unity, a bond in this place. And it means everything to our Lord. Look again, if you are in Romans 15, let's close it up with this, these two verses. And then I want you to look with me how the church began and what is the prototype for, for every church that opens its door ought to have this as its prototype. Look at verses 5 and 6 of Romans 15 one more time. Now, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement, may He do what? May He grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord, you and I, we may with one voice glorify the Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a lofty goal. What a great privilege it is to be in unity in such a fashion that it glorifies our God in heaven. I want you to look at the original church. This time you can close your Bible up as far as Romans 15 is concerned. Turn to the left. Look at Acts chapter 2. It's the next book to the, to the left. Can't miss it. Right before Romans is Acts. Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preached a message at the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. And on that day of Pentecost, some 3,000 souls, 3,000 people responded to the gospel for the first time. And therein started the church in Jerusalem. It says in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2, So then, those who had received Peter's word, they were baptized. And that day they were added about 3,000 souls. Now, verse 42, you ought to get to know. It ought to be marked up. We went through it before, but if you've not been with us for a long time, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, is the very essence of what a church ought to look like. What you ought to look like. What I ought to look like. It starts off by saying, and they were three critically important words. They were continually devoting themselves. I want you to know that's what a church ought to be. People who are continually devoting themselves to four things. Here's what makes up a church. There is not a lot of things that ought to be going on in a church other than teaching of the apostle word. In other words, the teaching of the apostles. That's number one. What the apostles taught? Word of God. Line upon line. They didn't have a, a, a particular message for a, t- a particular event that's going on in the day. 
They taught the Word of God. We should also teach the apostles' teaching. Second thing we should have is fellowship. That's what goes on in that other room. That's what goes on there and in your lives with other believers. You have fellowship with one another. Get to know each other. Pray for each other. Well, that's going to be next. After the, after the devotion to the Word of God, a devotion to fellowship, there should be the breaking of bread. Bread. We should have communion here more often. That's my fault. Uh, we, uh, I don't want to make it so it's a, it's a routine, that we do it every time, just every week we have communion. But I think we should have it more often. And the only reason we don't is I forget about it, I get going, and I don't ask for it. Um, we'll, we'll try to have communion more frequently. And then the fourth thing that a church ought to do after devoted to the teaching of the apostles, after devotion to fellowship with one another, devotion to communion, the breaking of bread, there should be prayer. Prayer should be critical for a church. We should be praying for one another, having a time in, in prayer. If you, have a, if you have a desire to be on the prayer team, please do that. If God has gifted you in that area, please do that. Be on the prayer team. Pray for the church. Pray for one another. Four things that makes up a church. Then I want you to watch. Take a look at what takes place. If we do that, then the Lord God says in verse 47 of Acts chapter 2, they were praising the God. They were having favor with all the people. That means the people in the community just had favor with them. They saw that this place was, there was something going on that was special there. And they were having favor with the people. And the Lord God himself was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so as I began this service, I said to you, it's not an issue of how many come to our church. What is an issue is that the Lord God sees us with favor, that he would trust us by adding to our number day by day those who are being saved. That's his business, not ours. Our business is what I preached on in the last half an hour, that you and I would be willing to serve the Lord, willing to give him our best, willing to, to, to be a part of the family of God together. I pray that for you. I pray that for me. I just told you everything I know. I want to tell you this, though. And I've told you this before, but it's the most sincere thing I could tell you is I love you with all my heart. Being a part of this church is incredible. Hey, Mike, big guy, I want to tell you how much I love you. Thanks for being here, man. I love you so much. Thanks. Um, I want you guys to have a great day. I want you to really, really enjoy your salvation. It's such a privilege. Don't take it flippantly. Give the Lord back His due. Whatever that is, I don't know. The other day I went to a lunch with someone. I, I hadn't been to lunch with in I don't know when, long, long time. They weren't a part of our church. But as my habit, my wife and I, and, and they were at a place, and when the lady, Gina was her name, just a beautiful young lady, gave us our food, I, I said, Gina, we're going to pray for our food. Would you pray with us? And she went, oh, I'd love to. And she said, nobody's ever asked me to do that. I cannot tell you how many times waiters and wait, waitresses, waiters and waitresses have said that to me. And, and I, I promise you, probably 80% of the time, they'll stop and pray with me. Grabbed her hand, prayed for her, prayed for whatever family was, prayed for the food, and afterwards looked up in her eyes and she's crying. Not crying, crying, but misty-eyed. And she said, 
What a privilege. She said, this has made my day. What did that take? Now, I'm not asking you to do that. That's something I do. Leave me do it. (laughs) No, uh, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just saying, love the Lord so much that he he just oozes out of you. That you can't, can't not love him. You just got to. And you just got to share it with others. Um, I love you so much. That's enough of this. I'm early too. Let's close. Father, thank you for this time. Um, I want to thank you for people that come here to this church. Um, gosh, thank you for this place, Father. Thank you for the ones who just love you so much. And I pray that there will be others that will come to trust and believe in you and and that they will have the privilege that we have to, to just glorify your holy name by our love for one another and our love for you and, and using the gift that you have so, given, so graciously given to each one of us. Now, Father, bless us as we go from here, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen.